Welcome to the Weekend Must Watch on Intercut, where we wade our way through the week in theaters, streaming, and on demand. I am your co-host, Zachary Shevich, and joining me, a contestant in the Inner Beauty Contest, it is Arturo Zurita. I know there was one whopping movie that came out this week, so one day I'll get that reference, but I have not caught that <laughs> one yet, Zach. I stuck with the streaming stuff this week, so there's a lot of streaming that uh, we'll be talking about, but you went out of your way to go see Crimes of the Future. I did. I, I The probably biggest release of the weekend in sure. theaters, I'd, I'd say. I mean, given that it's at least coming from like a, a big director uh but there's also a bunch in streaming and a bunch of tv that we're excited to talk about as we get into the latest with what we're watching uh and why don't we start it out a little bit with crimes of the future uh which is as i was alluding to the new film from david cronenberg uh the director so singular in his vision of horror and the ways in which the body particularly can be contorted and messed with in ways to elicit horror that he's had a term, an entire term, Cronenbergian, kind of named after the types of horror movies he's inspired. Uh, This one is not that different from what you're expecting when it comes to the Cronenberg type of vision for the world. One in which, uh, you know, there's a, a casual approach to different forms of body mutilation and and uh, reassignment and, and all sorts of crazy uh, visions of a potential future where in the case of this society, half the population doesn't feel pain anymore. So surgery is not this big undertaking. It's something that's done casually and on street corners and in back alleys and uh, in all sorts of uh, art shows, particularly the art shows held by Vigo Mortensen's character and Leo Sidhu's character uh, as they perform for captive audiences in the art space, uh, removing organs and all sorts of uh, upsetting imagery. Uh, Amanda was talking about Crimes of the Future with us last week on our Weekend Must Watch, and she was saying how even though it has this reputation for being a very um, like disturbing to watch movie. You know, the, t- there's discussion of the people who walked out in con. I don't know if it's necessarily like the most horrific vision or, or thing that I've seen. Uh, there's elements of possessor, the, uh, son of uh, David Cronenberg, Brandon Cronenberg, uh, his film that I found a little bit more difficult to watch, watch, but there is something not so much like horrific in that I can't look at it, but unsettling in that it, it bothers me a little bit more to my core in terms of the types of horrors that David Cronenberg is displaying. There's this really mm-hmm. interesting concept in the movie of the breakfaster, which is this breakfast chair that Viggo Morton sits in to digest his meals. That's like made of a human skeletal structure and it moves around in order to massage, massage his body so that he doesn't experience pain while eating because his body has evolved past the point where he can comfortably digest human meals and, and just sort of the way in which 
stuff like that hints at a much larger idea, much larger things going on is really cool. Um, you may have heard about that this is a script that he dusted off after like 20 something years or something. And it's, it's pretty amazing. Did he have a short? Stu- some of the stuff feels relevant. He, he did. His second right. film ever was also called Crimes of the Future. Although I, I don't think it's quite exactly the same okay. uh, territory being covered. It's sort of like, this is sort of an expanded and altered vision given that he now has, you know, a little bit more capabilities in terms of his production. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a really cool thing. I think there's just so much, so much to parse between the lines here, little moments that I wish we had maybe spent a little more time in, but that have stayed in my mind. So I understand why maybe a bunch of people are coming out of this movie with mixed opinions and maybe not super high on it. I'm not exactly saying that this was one of my favorites of the year, but there's, there's a lot there and a lot of really interesting thought provoking elements. Plus excellent performances. Kristen Stewart is, is really good in a pretty small role, but I was just blown away by Vigo. He does this thing where he is kind of like choking on some of his words. That's more uncomfortable than any of the body heart uh, stuff that they were doing. It was, uh, it, it made me feel like, you, you know, that feeling when you just have like too much phlegm in your throat and you can't Disgusting. breathe. Right. <laughs> like I got that. I got that reciprocally from uh-huh. from his performance. Would you recommend it in theaters, or would you say people need to wait to uh, get the virtual? Um, I mean, you know, I think perhaps it would help to kind of be like enveloped in that world. It's it moves at a a slower pace that I mm. could see maybe if you don't have the best attention or you're not sitting in the theater that you might not lend yourself to to. To, go, to to fully experience it in that way. Okay. But, you know, it's not necessarily like the best of Cronenberg or the best in art house cinema. So I'm not saying, I don't think it's like a run out to the theaters and see it. If it sounds like it's up your alley, I think it's benefited by seeing it in the theater, but sure. But yeah, I'm sure most people would probably wait to crash this one on streaming. Sounds good. How was uh, Stuart in it? I like Stuart a lot. Like I was sort of saying, it's a smaller performance, and I think some people might mistake what she's doing for being like bad acting because it's very mannered and because it's kind of uh, kind of big. But I, I I really I dig how quirky and nuanced it is. She's she has a particular vision of her character that I think builds the kind of unsettling idea of this world like the the way that she interacts with other people is is not it's not of our present time and space if that makes sense mm-hmm. final one is it better than titan <laughs> for me i would say yeah but like i was not the biggest titan fan you did hate titan um, yeah you did. i i <laughs> i i think raw is better than than both those oh, movies easily. but yeah. uh i'm opposite yeah yeah. All right. Uh, I don't know, man. I'll be sure to catch it. Uh, yeah. Devesh asked if I'd agree with Amanda's opinion that Possessor is better. I oh, actually pos- think that Crimes of the Future might be a little better. I like Possessor a lot. I just, I don't know. There's, well, we there's a lot Possessor, going on in Crimes bro. of the Future. Nah, Possessor's good. I know I'm talking out of not seeing Crimes yet. Possessor's great, dude. <laughs> Junior knew what he was doing there. He paid attention. 
no no disrespect to Brandon Cronenberg, who is apparently hard at work at a new movie, and right. I'm very excited for that one too. I also was listening to interviews with David, and his daughter is working on her first movie, so they got that. a, a the whole family of unsettling filmmakers right. out there. Sounds good. Yeah. All right, let's talk about a movie that's currently playing in theaters, although it'll be on Netflix shortly. Uh, you and I both went to see it on the big screen. Yes, though. sir. So what was your reaction to Hustle, the new movie starring Adam Sandler as a basketball scout who scours the globe for potential new talents when he comes across Bo, an exciting prospect from Spain, played by the NBA's own Juancho Hernan Gomez? Mm. Uh, that was pretty good. Uh, it's a solid little entry, feel good type of sports movie where you don't need to know too much about the sports figures that are there. Uh, I also don't mm -hmm. think that it overshadows a lot of the movie either. Cause a lot of these movies, you're just like, Hey, look who it is. It's this NBA player. Uh, I thought they weave it in comfortably. So if you're a fan, you'll like a lot of the appearances. If you're not, it's all right. I don't think it was as big of a role. In terms of like, this is going to be the big dramatic break that he's going to be coming back to. I know you and right. I were really excited for that. Specifically because the director of this is a director that I really like. Uh, his previous feature was We the Animals, which premiered at Sundance, also on Netflix. So Yeah, Jeremiah Zagar. There you go, they got that nice little deal going on. Uh, I highly recommend that movie. That is a fantastic film. Um, this one's it's solid. It's a, it's a nice little movie to watch, I guess, with the family that, uh, like I said, is a very feel-good movie, has the elements of Rocky and every other sports movie that's out there in terms of its training mm -hmm. montages and being the underdog. Um, I really like uh, what's it, Ben Foster in the movie because really the perspective is that Adam yeah. Sandler is playing uh, the guy for the 76ers who goes out to find talent. And as much as he wants mm -hmm. to be on the bench, like literally as a coach, they're always pushing mm -hmm. him to be that. And after some incidents happen, um, he continues to get pushed as the dude who has to travel all around the world eating every possible fast food. The, there's a certain point where, you know, I always call out product placement. This was not product placement because every time this man eats something, it's just all of the other characters making fun of him for eating all of the junk food that he eats around the world. <laughs> right. um, but damn, they went through every fast food possible uh, around the globe for Adam Sandler. But really, the, the heart of the, the movie is that uh, training that he's doing with this guy because the whole purpose of him trying to get somebody drafted, I guess if you want to say, into the team is so that he can finally yeah. stay at home in Philly uh, so that he can raise his own daughter. But... Uh, yeah, he, I was he's like hoping to, like it was, like you were saying, he's hoping to like prove himself and also yep. hoping to like help this guy, you know, achieve a, a nice life for his family. So there's all sorts of sort of like heartwarming stories carrying you through this one. There's a lot of cameos in there too. I was telling you, I don't know if you were if a you lot caught your eyes in the credits because the credits pull yeah. up and I'm like, I didn't see that person in there. I didn't see <laughs> what Tierra Whack. Where was she? Well, all these different appearances that come out of nowhere. So uh, it's definitely one that the on credits Netflix happen. The credits happen and it's like top to bottom as himself, as himself, as herself, as yeah. himself. It's, um, it's pretty crazy. I mean, I like if you are a person who who pays attention to NBA circles and, you know, like watches inside the NBA or like knows who Anthony Edwards is, you're going to have like a real fun time with just the little it. bits of 
he's so good in this, like, good enough that I want to see him in more things, like, put him in the White Man Can't Jump remake or something. He was good for this role. You know, it's one of those things where, I don't know, outside (laughs) of him having to play a basketball player, he was the only one who wasn't playing himself. He was the one who was playing the antagonist for the main character, and I thought he did a really good job at, like, kind of pressuring him and being the one who wants to break him. Uh, But you were talking about, like, inside the NBA, but the TNT boys, dude, (laughs) the fact that everyone but Kenny, because I saw Kenny come up on screen, I'm like, oh, he's playing Kenny. I guess Kenny's really right. pushing the idea that he's got a lot of pull in the NBA. No, Kenny's playing a guy named Leon. So when it cuts to the TNT yeah. guys. Kenny's just it, not there. It's just Chuck reading the lines It would have been off. funny if Kenny showed up in a second role as himself. That bat would have been great. Because the movie does play yeah. it with a lot of that. It's like trying to be fully a drama. But like I said, it's very much. Uh, I don't know if you would. Would you call it a family film? Like I know there's some lines. Yeah, and I mean. Stuff, but- <sighs> It's a family film. It's one of those, like, yeah, it's one of those, like, PG-13, the whole family can see it kind of things where there's, like, there's maybe a little bit of inappropriate stuff there, but it's mostly in terms of, like, banter and sports banter. And it, I think yeah. it is mostly overshadowed by just how, like, affable everybody in this story is. Like, I think that's really my main takeaway here is that Adam Sandler is just such a likable presence on screen and that even if you remove all the sort of quirks of the comedic performances that you're you're used to, and even if you don't give him, like, you know, a Barry Egan or a Howie char- type of character to play, like, there's still just so much... Uh, charm there that makes you root for him even through the ups and downs in this movie he just he feels like such a mensch he feels like such a uh warm-hearted person and like a good hang the Mm -hmm. the repartee he has with different people in this movie he's able to pull it off in this naturalistic funny way so even if it is mostly the tone of a drama it has these pockets of comedy here and there through through that banter through yeah. some insults and stuff like that i want to re- uh, circle back to the thing you were mentioning with the training montages here cuz i think this one has a pretty excellent training montage and a part of the reason that i think the training montage works is it's really extended like sometimes you'll get a training montage which is really just meant to bridge one part of the movie to the next, but there's mm-hmm. this long, long sequence where you you see him train and you see him struggle and you see him unable, and it almost feels like the montage is about to end with him being unable to reach his goals, and then there's a whole sequence of him getting better, and I think by extending it, it's, it's like that much more believable, you're that much more invested in it, and even though it is a montage because some of the things they're showcasing with the, the new types of uh, basketball drills with the you know flashing lights and stuff like that there's enough interesting stuff happening that it it kept me with it i i'm definitely a little more predisposed to like a movie like this not only because it has so many nba references basketball references and cameos and stuff that i like it's shot in philly and it really feels philly and it does uh i I don't know so they show maxes though i they kept they kept going in front of genos genos and uh what's the genos and pats they know what they're doing they're trying to get that screen real estate every chance they get if y'all gotta yep, listen to Creed, yep, y'all gotta go to Max. For Maxis. sure. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I would say John's Rose Park, but that's, that's, that's not another good movie. movie yeah, so. it's good. <laughs> but John's yeah, Rose I mean, Park look, ever for, been in a movie? S- that's a good question. I know it was in uh, Bourdain's show, but I don't that's know if it was ever a in like a movie, movie. I'm talking about like a film, yeah, maybe like yeah. a Good Times heist film that just so happens to yeah. be in John's Rose Park. We'll get there. 
<laughs> we'll put it in one. Um, yeah, I mean, for those for those aspects, I kind of loved this, but I know oh. it's like not that great. Like it's okay, good. Yeah. It's it's I a really solid it, sports but, movie. Yeah. But I I just like there's a lot of reasons I had to really That's like. Fair. I also root for Sandler. We know this. I I really root That's for your Sandler. boy, it, dude. The, he loves yeah. NBA players. He's not. I feel like uh, every every two years he's gonna be working on a movie with an NBA player in the film in some way, yeah. shape or form. But uh, I mean, look, it's a it's a good lane for him. He clearly knows and loves basketball. He seems to fit in in this world. Like, there's just a small moment early in the film where his character gets frustrated and is like, can you tell me a place I can shoot hoop? And he says it with such a naturalism that I cannot get away with. But, you know, he does because that's what he's been doing for 30 years on set. Yeah. Uh, Josh in the live stream comments asked, would you say that Sandler is better here than Punch Drunk Love? I, I wouldn't say that. Uh, it's a solid performance for sure, but like, I think Sandler was even nominated for a Golden Globe uh, for that Punch Drunk Love yeah, performance. Yeah, but that's top tier. That's top even... Yeah, exactly. I don't think anybody's going to like throw him in awards discussions for this one. Yeah. It's solid, though. I think uh, it's sort of on the level of like, you know how Ben Affleck was in that movie, the sports coach movie a couple of years back? Um, mm-hmm. Where it's like a good performance, but nobody's like trying to throw him in awards discussions. Yes, yeah. I would agree. All right, let's talk about another movie that's out in theaters. One that I think both of us did not enjoy. No, this as should much not be in theaters. The last this better two. not be in theaters. Yeah, it, it almost feels like it doesn't belong in theaters. I mean, I saw it at home thanks to TIFF Digital last year. Uh, let's talk a little bit about Dashcam, the new horror film from Rob Savage, who I think came onto most people's radar in 2020 because his horror film host was one of the first films shot and released post COVID lockdowns. I, I felt like it did some interesting things in terms of uh, playing with its limited, uh, uh, limited confines, like pushing up against the, the limits of what is allowable in like a zoom format and you know, transitioning from a Zoom horror movie to a, a dash cam horror movie it sounds like it would be a good fit. Turns out it really was not. I, I absolutely hated this film uh, for several reasons. The protagonist just being one of them. But Art, you got to see it more recently than me. Were, were you a little more positive on dash cam than I am? No, but I think it's better than host. I don't like host. I don't get really what people look. I, I either we were in all the pandemic and we were all zooming, so then we saw someone make a zoom movie and we're like, damn, that's really good. Rewatch host, bro. There is so many mistakes that happen in that movie. They, a lot of people say, oh, it does things that unfriended didn't do. It's not one single thing that the movie does that unfriended didn't do. But it popped. Blumhouse gave him a three picture deal. This is the first of that three picture deal. Like you said, it played at TIFF. People were watching this in theaters. He made it. For the theatrical experience. I don't understand that. This is a movie that's doing two things at the same time. You are following a girl named Annie. A woman named Annie. Who has a YouTube show. The woman. The actress who plays her. Is also named Annie. Who has a, the same YouTube show. Uh, where she sings yeah. while she's in her car. Raps while she's in her car. She's supposed to freestyle, freestyle anything that's on raps, the chat. kind of. Um, no. Yeah. Uh, the entire movie. You're either paying attention to the chat on the right. Or you're paying attention to what's happening on screen. I'm a big found footage fan. I think the found footage in this is, is, it's all right. It's not the greatest. I don't think it's the worst I've seen. If you're not a fan of found footage, it is not going to convince you. But you got to do the SpongeBob eyes and Absolutely split them. Not. to Because you, if you're watching this in theaters, if you're not watching this at home to be able to pause, you're going to have to decide which movie you're watching. I can guarantee you're not going to watch this mm. twice. Uh, 
there is a whole storyline happening within the chat and then a whole storyline happening within her going to go visit a friend because she's in the UK, if I'm not mistaken, trying to yeah. uh, reunite with a buddy. And because she's such an annoying character, it ends up devolving into her stealing their car and then picking up a woman who may or may not be older than what she is, may or may not be possessed, and may or may not have these supernatural powers that start creating a bunch of crazy stuff. There is no dash cam in this movie. That's the other thing. It's, it's a webcam. It's not a dash cam. The title is lying to you. It's not engaging, in my opinion. I think you get tired of the characters really quick, which, you know, give or take, Very sure. quick. Um, there was a movie a couple years back called Tyrell, which was also made by a Spanish filmmaker who was just like, so I heard about Sebastian the racism Silva. in America. Um, let me get uh, Michael Sarah to make a movie <laughs> about what I think racism is in America. So this is a, a, a Rob Savage is from the UK. And uh, instead of making a movie about Brexit, he's like, what if I made a movie about the foolishness they got over there in America? So he decided to, like, I guess, uh, tune in to a bunch of live streams to see the most belligerent stuff on chats. And I don't know, at one point he didn't realize that listening to those chats and watching them in real time is boring and lame. And he's like, but what if I made that into a movie and then forced y'all to pay a ticket to go see it? Like, it doesn't make any sense to me. It's always that idea that you put a, an annoying character on screen and I get it, they're supposed to be annoying. But then if that's all you're giving people, then what did you expect? Especially if that's what you're reflecting on. Right. He's supposed to be saying that and this it's is like, a movie where uh, don't ignore the other side. That there should be a conversation between two people. And like he has no response to that because it doesn't mean anything. He, he's not actually yeah. saying anything. And yeah, it doesn't it's completely mean to say empty. Yeah. But I don't, I don't, I don't get right. the like, setup. That's the thing. I don't need a big message from my, you know, found footage horror movies, but like if you're trying to say something, then you should actually say it well. And this movie does not, you know, and it's beyond the like anti-vaxxer, MAGA hat, whatever bullshit that she she does in the movie. She's just annoying. Like she's just antagonistic and frustrating and whiny and, and on a moment to moment basis like it makes the movie harder to watch, less pleasant to watch than had somebody else been in this role. And, and, you know, like I get sometimes that can be the appeal of having a character like that, but there was no appeal here. It was just not fun. Uh, the found footage, as you mentioned, it's not the worst, but it's not convincing. I think most of the actual, you know, scares or whatever are kind of done off screen yeah. and alluded to more than shown. And it's, you know, it's clever for low budget filmmaking, but it's not that rewarding in a movie that is very light on rewarding aspects. Yeah. Even a lot of the chat, it's meant to homage her show on YouTube. So it's like, it doesn't, doesn't really apply to anything. And it does this thing where when <laughs> something's happening on screen, the chat automatically reacts to it as soon as it happens. Like, I, like mm -hmm. the moment that something appears on screen, someone's already sent a message about it. I'm like, yo, y'all didn't even take the time to sync this up uh, in, an, in an appropriate manner. I will say this, Zach. I thought the ending was funny. <laughs> the, the, the ending bit in the movie, I actually thought was pretty hilarious. Mm -hmm. um, but if you are not a fan of found footage, this is not going to be for you. If you are a fan of horror, yeah. I'm curious to hear your thoughts on it. Maybe. But... Other than that, I'd, I'd put it to the side. If you're a found footage fan, you just check it out yeah. just to, to have it in the catalog. But I personally am not a big fan of Rob Savage so far. He's working with Blumhouse, which there's no better company to just give you the, you know, the limited amount budget and allow you to do whatever you want. Because that's the one thing you're going to get from from uh, 
from them over at Blump. You're going to be able to make whatever movie you want. And he made this just like he made Host, and none of them have delivered up to me, but we'll see what he does with the other two that are on the horizon. Yeah, we will hear more from him, I guess. All right, so that's what is available for theater-going audiences. What about the streamers? What about those people who just want to click on their smart TVs and watch a new movie? Well, there are some interesting uh, new releases out. Let's start it over on Hulu with the release of Fire Island, directed by Andrew Ahn, interestingly, the guy who... Uh, not so long ago, made Driveways, which is one of my favorite little indie movies of the last couple of years. Uh, So Andrew on a very interesting director. Here he's teaming up with Joel Kim Booster, who wrote the script and stars in the movie. Uh, Interestingly, I don't know if you you heard of this, that Joel Kim Booster originally developed this script for Quibi, which which gets a shout out in the movie. So that was kind of funny. Uh, it does not feel much like a Quibi product in the end. This feels like a pretty standard romant- romantic comedy with a pretty healthy level of subversion going on, too. Uh, this is about a group of gay best friends who take a trip to New York City, New York's Fire Island, a hot spot for queer culture uh, and what happens to them on their trip is very similar to the goings on of Jane Austen's Pride and Prejudice, but uh, reformatted for a new age. You have some very funny people in this film, including Bowen Yang and Margaret Cho and Matt Rogers, uh, as well as Jolkin Booster as well. Art, were you more charmed or uncharmed by Fire Island? Oh, no, I thought it was a funny movie. Hulu's been doing a really good job at taking... Uh, a lot of their features that I think would have come out in theaters because they're like the sub Fox movies uh, and then releasing them mm-hmm. at home. I would compare this um, and the one that just recently came out uh, that takes place in high school. I think it was called Crushed. I really like that one as well. Uh, right. that, that does, you know, a little bit more than just subverting and flipping the idea of like, OK, now it's a queer romance. The, these both of these movies are able to uh, also flip the almost um the acts and the structure of what these stories would be going for so it's not just swapping it out to be a queer romance it's also swapping out how the story would play out which is what i appreciate because now you're actually making something more original the only thing that i would have for this movie is that for a lot of the beginning of it he's like explaining things i don't think it needs that so he'll like stop because he's narrating the movie all. right and he's like oh what this means yeah. is that it's like no you don't need to explain it there's a bunch of things especially in the second half of the movie where they'll just say something you know they said something about a pill i didn't know what that pill was guess how easy it is if you're watching this on hulu you got an internet connection just go google it i think when you end up having to explain the stuff it starts it stops becoming less of a movie for its demographic and is trying to widen it uh which i think lessens you know, the experience of it, if that makes any sense, especially because of what the movie yeah. is supposed to be. But no, I, I thought the characters were, uh, you know, they had really nice banter between each other because you have these two groups that don't get along. One of them is like the really rich, posh lawyers and doctors uh, that feel like they're at the top of the island, whereas our main group, you know, they don't even know if they're going to be able to come to the island next week because they're not going to be able to have mm-hmm. any housing. The place where they stay, you know, it's it's going to be up for lease. So you have this dynamic that, again, is very much like Pride and Prejudice where they don't know if they're in each other's leagues. Um, but it's all the in-jokes, it's all the different personalities and how they clash. Uh, mm-hmm. That worked very well. Yeah, no, I think I basically have the exact same reaction to it as you, is that it's all the bits of... of 
genuine subculture where you feel like it's lived in and and not an experience that's being portrayed as much on screen that are really fun. Like I love the bit where they're all exchanging drugs and stuff like that. Uh, but I th- I think what frustrated me a bit with Fire Island is I kind of felt the movie fighting against itself in different points where it's trying to be this kind of like fun, subversive, biting satire, I guess, in some ways. And then in other, on the other hand, it is trying to rigidly fit itself within to a romantic comedy structure so much in the way that like the narration keeps kind of filling in gaps that don't even like need to be filled in, in in a way. It it over explains itself sometimes so many times. And I, I just, I wanted it to kind of chill out a little bit. I wanted it to, have a little more faith in us as an audience and to just let us experience the characters. Cause I thought the characters were really interesting. And those um, are the jokes that hit best what made this when they don't explain it, where, yeah, they're exactly. al- where they're allowing you to connect the dots, even in, in uh, the third act where you have animosity between the two groups, there is a third party that comes in a dude who's kind of like been popping in and out of the movie for a little bit. And when you end up seeing what that person's all about, like, you know, it's ex- it's explained through their Instagram and you kind of get to see the type of person. They don't need to break it down for you. Oh, yeah, this is the type of individual that takes advantage in this way. You get to see what he's really all about. And they don't have to explain that bit as they do in the beginning of the movie. Um, but I, I thought that it was able to deliver a lot of uh, funny jokes. And like I said, there's always a moment in the movie, in these types of movies where you like click the time and you're like, yep, there's 20 minutes left. And it was able to subvert that. That That's what I like to see. It's it's not just swapping roles, but actually being able to have a different structure with it. Uh, and yeah, I thought it was pretty good. Uh, I think that Hulu's been able to pick up a lot of these. I know they also have Love, Victor on the horizon, which I was able to uh, catch season three. Another one that they're ending. We're about to get to all these shows that we yeah. thought would be running for a lot more and they're all wrapping up. But um, yeah, out of all of the networks out there, at least Hulu's been able to do and give a lot of their uh, queer filmmakers, writers, actors, the ability to make a story that doesn't seem to just fit in a box like Netflix does a lot. I think with both us Hustle and Fire Island, it, there's a little bit of an interesting thing of these art directors that we like quite a bit trying to take like a step towards the mainstream. Do you feel like Jeremiah Zagar or Andrew Ahn maybe did the uh, had the more smooth transition? <sighs> it's a weird thing to compare. My only thing with Hustle is because I really like his very artsy style that he did for We the Animals and you see that competing to right. be in the mainstream. I didn't feel that in Fire Island because the surprise that was when you told me that he did Driveways, the director for Fire Island also did a couple episodes of Hentified. He did a couple ep- ep- episodes mm. of Generation over on uh, HBO Max. So he's already lived in, in that world. This is him just doing a feature yeah. version of it. So I, I think Andrew Ahn did a better job. Mm. Um, I- I- Jeremiah got to go-, go back to his indie bag. I, I like what he did with Hustle. But I wanted to see more more of his indie style. And that's how we were expecting like a crazy, like very uh, award-worthy performance from Sandler and not more the mainstream. Yeah. So I, I think Andrew does a better job with that. Totally. Um, just going back to the cast for a sec, I thought Bowen Yang was really fun. I actually kind of liked Conrad Ricamora uh, opposite of Joel Kim Booster. I don't know if I bought into them as a duo, but I bought into his 
awkwardness. Like, I like the I don't know if I I as a, as an introvert with social <laughs> with social awkwardness. Like I don't buy the portrayal of introversion in a lot of movies, but I bought his. I I bought his inability to just be like freely expressive. So I actually kind of liked Conrad Ricamora in this movie. Nice. All right, let's talk about a movie that topped the charts on Netflix over the weekend. This one is Interceptor. Uh, I didn't get around to this one, but what did you think about it? Garbo. So this is a movie on Netflix that is supposed to be a feature film, but gets the TV rating, the TVMA rating, uh, which is, you know, I guess how uh, Netflix decides to differentiate between the movies. One way to do it. Yeah, you know, to me, every time they do that, that's kind of telling you what they feel about the movie. I don't know if that's decided because of its quality or because of the production that they go through it, but nonetheless, uh, the movie follows a uh, military personnel who had left for a bit because of an incident that happened. You know, it was an SA thing that happened with a superior. So now she's coming back in particular during an event that's happening, a crisis, because as the movie opens up, it tells you it takes Russia 24 minutes to attack the United States if they send a missile. The United States has 12 minutes to intercept it, and we only got two locations. One of them's gone, we're down to the one, and that's where Elsa Pataki is. Um, Zach, do you know who Elsa Pataki's married to? I don't. It's some schmuck named um, Chris Hems-something. Hemsworth. Um, Ah... Not to spoil this movie for He's people. He's got a big deal with Netflix. Bro, a big deal that he will appear in absolutely everything. Dude, they are pulling a Melissa McCarthy. What's her man's name? Ben Falcone. It is. America's premier director of bad comedies. Bro, they do a scene like that where this man plays a Best Buy employee. As he's like listening into like the big speech that the Russians are giving about the missiles that are going to come in. I'm like, what's going on here, man? Uh, Bless her soul. She's decent in the movie for what it is. The action isn't directed to its fullest capacity. The lines are as cringe inducing as possible because the main villain is trying to showcase how America was an experiment that, you know, should be no more. It has not handled its way. It's reverse engineered casting because the bad guy is trying to call out like the Middle Eastern in the movie and is trying to call out her. But you have some of the most cringe-inducing lines in this film where you'll literally have a dude, spoilers if you don't want to uh, get spoiled for uh, the number one movie on Netflix right now. A bad movie. Where a dude complains about him not being able to have jobs because all the minorities have taken them. And he points the gun at one of the dudes and the other guy tells him, you're not going to kill me. You're not a murderer. And the guy literally goes, you're right, I'm not. I'm a patriot. Like, I don't need to (laughs) see that stuff because it's not as profound as you think it is. It's not... It's not a great script. It, you know, it, it has a message that it's trying to push, which I think there are a lot of better movies that you can see that. Go watch Watcher, which is out in theaters right now. Uh, it's not a military movie, but nonetheless, it's still covering that same um, perspective to a degree that uh, she's going through in this film. I just, I don't know. This is on the lower end of the action films that they got out there on Netflix, but that's all it really takes to be number one, uh, especially when you have that backing from, you know, one of the biggest stars out there who's going to get his own movie coming up uh for netflix as well but interceptor it's it's fine background watching absolutely all right uh moving on to another part of the streaming wars this one maybe a little bit more meta than the other installments we talked about south park the streaming wars uh the latest event 
from the South Park people. I haven't caught up with this one. Is this a Paramount or Comedy Central one? <laughs> That's the best joke to think best, is that I believe <laughs> they have all this stuff over on HBO, if I'm not mistaken still. But yeah. this one's now on Paramount, so that's like the the joke right. that's made outside of the special that they they're just trying Good. to be all over the place. Uh, this is on Paramount Plus, and if you have not been keeping up with any of the specials that they've been doing, because obviously they have episodes, but they've been really pushing like South Park the COVID special part one, South Park the vaccine right. special. They've been doing a lot of these. Uh, out of the bunch, I'd say this is the better of them. It, it's not. Like the best, I'm not going to say like, hey, if you haven't been watching South Park, go check out on this. But it's really just making fun of the idea that there's so many streaming wars, but they're comparing it to um, the storyline of the town being drained of water. And thus they need to create streams of water and a streaming war happens because they're all trying to get the water supply to go through them. The series has really become... um, like you, there's a lot of lore to it. Like I don't know how much you followed of, of mm-hmm. South Park with Integrity Farms. Like, like the kids will always I, hate each other. The kids will always have their same dynamics. Yeah. But there's like a been a storyline with the farms, uh, and 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 the plants that they have been doing, and, and how that continues to grow. I feel like if you don't know yeah. a little bit of that, you're gonna fall behind. Not just in the plot, but like in a lot of the jokes. A lot of the jokes, uh, yeah. hit only if you know previous installments. So funny little dig i guess at the streaming wars but uh nothing to, to come back in on but it was like one of the biggest releases that they had over on paramount plus because if you're paying for paramount plus you're either pay- playing for these little things like that or halo which i had to watch over the weekend because uh, yeah <laughs> paramount has not been pushing too much out there Nah, i mean uh they're doing okay at the box office with stuff like okay? top gun and nah, the lost bro, city a- i'm yeah, but it, it's, if it's all about streaming, then I don't know. I mean, those movies will eventually make their way to streaming, yeah. so hopefully that does something <laughs> for Paramount+. Plus. But yeah, I don't know. Uh, circling back to South Park, I, it's a show that I kept up with the, for a long while, but it's there's just so much of it now. I think for, for I don't know, people in our age range who kind of grew up alongside it, like... It's it's just hard to develop like a twenty year relationship with a show. Yeah, are you a bigger South Park or Simpsons fan? Like, if you had to tune into one. Growing up, South Park, but I think as I grew older, I leaned more towards Simpsons. Because like when you're young, South Park is so Raunchy. so exciting yeah. and, and naughty, and like feels like you shouldn't be watching it. Uh, but I think the the jokes are sharper on the Simpsons. Yeah, I, I think my worry with South Park is like. It's too late. Like, we're at an era where you got to be so quick with this. Like, it's commenting on the streaming wars as if in 2019 we mm-hmm. weren't all prepping for all the new ones that were coming up. 2020, 21, 22. Like, this would have really hit, I think, in the middle of the pandemic, like in 2020 or early 2021. But I was like, yeah, we've all we've all kind of made these jokes already. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, we'll see. It's never going to end, bro. Just like the yeah, Simpsons. I mean, for a while, that was South Park's thing, though. They were like, because they could turn around episodes so quickly, they were the first to I'm comment saying, on yeah. new thing. But in the age of Twitter and TikTok, TikTok it's, it's, it's not, not so impressive, I guess. Yeah. All right. So let's move on from streaming wars and into some TV shows, because there are a few really interesting shows on right now. Uh, This is the part of the weekend must watch where I do my weekly plea to get art to catch up with Barry (laughs) because season three is so good. 
Yeah, I, and I'm gonna do it for one more because there's a finale coming up, and uh, Bill Hader has promised it's gonna be extremely intense. That there's good? not a lot of jokes, man. So I just you like the it? thing that I wanted to say. The thing that I wanted to say is that the run they're on right now, the episode five, six, seven run that they just went on, is is like one of the all time runs for for a show like this. It it is. Really, really challenging, interesting, dark, upsetting, but riveting material. Uh, They are pushing the limits of these characters and pushing them to really, really dark places that... It's just bleak, man. It's bleaker than most shows that I've I've ever seen. And yeah, I love it about Barry is that they're willing... like. They they are unwilling to simply let some of these things go. Like they, it's a show that seems to really believe in the in punishment for its characters, and um, it makes me very concerned about what's going to happen next week, Ben. Um, I thought episodes five and six were both really brilliant in terms of their the way they balance just the stakes of the show with some entertainment, and there's some funny stuff going on. But episode seven is just top tier filmmaking an episode directed by Bill Hader that makes me so excited for the inevitable movie that he's going to do after this um it's just it's just Wait, tense, on Barry man. Or there's so like many movie no like the movie movie that he will eventually do cuz like this oh, okay. guy is a filmmaker there oh, are yeah, long sequences here of of silence where you just sit with the characters and and worry because there's just a, there's an inevitability to a lot of the things coming on this show um if you ha- if you have the time like you you're going to want to watch whatever's coming next it feels like it feels like everything's coming to a head um and just pay attention also to how many sequences are done in these subtle one takes, right? Like a lot of one shots call themselves out because they're, they glide along for like hundreds of feet or they have things moving in and out of frame. They do these things where it's just, it's a turn and a pull in, but the entire scene is done in one shot and it communicates it so well. I should watch ah, the it's show. It's such a Damn. good show, man. Yeah, you should you should probably watch Barry. It's it's uh, gonna it's gonna come up a lot on Intercut this year. I guarantee that. Three compared to two and one. It's so hard for me to say while I'm in the middle of it. Like I feel like I'm just I'm trying to come at this without a bias because I so I feel so involved in three, and I remember that like pretty much everybody's reaction to season one was that this is a perfect season of television that it, like you can't touch. But I think season three is better than that, so I don't know what to do with that feeling. And you don't have the finale. I don't know yet. what to do with that feeling, and I don't have the finale. Hey, yet. I mean, yeah, that's a sign uh, of plus a good show. we know it's coming back for season four, so I don't know that this. They got to keep the ball rolling somehow. I'm I'm very curious. Sounds good, Barry. I'll put it on my radar. Yeah. <laughs> uh, another show to keep on your radar. The Boys is back. Season three. They debuted their first three episodes of season three on Amazon. I caught the first two. I think you said you caught the first three again. Now that the uh, VFX are all finished and everything. Yeah, cra- crazy uh, seeing the work in progresses. But nothing will ever beat, uh, like we were saying last week, Ted Lasso. <laughs> but, oh, no, it, it, it looks a lot better, a lot cleaned up. You're a fan of the boys, right? Out of all the superhero stuff that we get, you you like the perspective? 
that the boys brings or I do I I like the kind of like subversive nature of the violence on the show and the way that it kind of it feels like a deconstruction of the other superhero properties out there, right? Like it it feels very pointedly anti-Marvel MCU type of stuff in a way that I think is refreshing given how much superhero stuff dominates our culture. Mm-hmm. Um, I really enjoyed the first season. I thought the second season was also very good. And I'm finding myself a little bit tired with season three okay. through two episodes. And I'm not, I'm not sure what that is. Cause it still kind of feels like the same show, but they do a recap, like a previously on the boys before the third season, which is just, an extended montage of all the different people who've gone splat on this show. And I got to be honest, I think that turned me off from it a little bit. Mm-hmm. I've never been a big fan of those types of previously ons where it's just like, do you remember this scene? Do you remember yeah. this? I was like, no, I don't remember this scene. It's like they show you a scene and that's supposed to trigger you the entire storyline leading up to that. And you're like, no, it just people yeah. go blah. <laughs> I kind of see what you're saying with it. Um, you've like, I guess it could be because we're on the third season and you're, you're expecting, are they going to continue to subvert things? I think three is where it starts doing that. I think in episode three, you start really seeing the characters come into uh, what this next chapter is going to be. Because after the first two seasons, particularly the finale from the last one, you had the whole, without getting into too much spoilers, a character who was a hero who ended up being the complete opposite of a hero. And thus Homelander, who may also not be a hero, has to deal with all those repercussions. And they're almost kind of like using him uh, because they have all of this stuff on him to blackmail him. And in season three, or in episode three, is where he starts to realize that he doesn't have to be beholden by those things. And that's why I think The Boys continues to... uh, be on the radar out of everything that Amazon's released and the millions of dollars they spent. Man, I looked through the screeners that they sent us and all of them go, nobody cares, bro. The Undone came out. I love this show. It is irrelevant to the algorithm over there. The only thing that has survived is Invincible in this. And the reason for this show is because it finds a great way to always adapt to the moment. Um, I know that they've been calling out Snyder since the beginning, and I, I don't know if you saw the real funny tweet where Snyder actually took the release, whatever the director is in the show, they had to release his cut thing, and he retweeted it. Yeah. And he was just like, I'm so ha- so happy for him. Love the show. <laughs> Glad he got his cut. And it's like they're able to have that communication in real time with the audience. You know, they've already adapted to um, – not just having the superheroes be a part of a uh, like a Hollywood franchise. They go out, they fight for the military, then they come back and they make their movie. They have Vought Plus already. You know, they're they're quick to update with what's mm-hmm. going on in the real world. What episode three does? Yeah, pretty that, funny. Pretty funny that they got their Charlize Theron cameo in time for the MCU to have a Charlize Theron how cameo. How do you write that? That's what I'm talking about. You know, it's like <laughs> there's there's a meta-ness to the best of their jokes that you can't get anywhere else. Um, and, and you get it through money. Uh, they, they, I think they use their budget to the best of their ability. And yeah. I think the performance from, I don't know why I'm blinking on, on the actor's name. I hope it doesn't come Anthony Starr? I think he's been great since season one. What he's doing in three. Yeah, Anthony Starr is incredible on the I, show. What he's doing in three. I know it's a superhero show. I know it's like half comedy. I know it's, I mean, you saw, what was the first thing with someone going into somebody's urethra? <laughs> it's crazy stuff that's <laughs> yeah, always happening it, uh, in the show. Thanos up the ass thing, but, but even worse. Literally. Anthony Starr is a really good actor, dude. And there's stuff that he's yeah. doing in three that doesn't just play to his character. 
this is what I'm talking about when you're trying to connect it to like real world politics and the influence that people can have. I think you're going to really like the way that they're pushing it. He gives this speech where he flips what an iconic person in history has said and he uses it to his own. I am I'm very look very much looking forward to uh, seeing where they take the storyline. I've I've read the books, mm-hmm. the comics that it's based off of, and there's just crazy stuff that they could go. It, it's insane to actually think that the shows tamed it back. Um, mm. But once you're this big, I mean, I never expected to see a superhero show where someone goes into someone else's penis. So we're here already. Uh, we'll, we'll see what they have next. But for the most part, if you've been a fan yeah. with the boys, it continues to deliver. If you're going to get the fatigue of superheroes. That's inevitable. Um, but I think that they're going to keep a consistent storyline with these characters to keep you engaged in. Yeah. There's a lot on this show that makes it very fun to watch. I think Anthony Starr's performance is one of the things that actually makes this a very it's good creepy, show. Bro. Um, and I'm I'm curious to see where they're going to go because I do think sometimes you need to need to see the direction of a season before like settling on whether or not it, it, they've like lost their mojo or yeah. whatever it is. But I, I'm I'm it's I'm still curious what's coming on the boys because it, I have enjoyed so much of what they've done uh, so far. I do think at some point, too many characters. If if they're going to, it there's a lot of characters lot. and also like. They keep adding. There's also this thing of like, it's supposed to be this incredibly brutal show where anybody can die at any moment, but never. It's never going to be Carl Urban, Jack Quaid, Aaron Moriarty, or Anthony Starr, or they're not going to die. But but everybody else could die at any moment. Feel you, bro. Carl Urban, bless his soul. I love him, and he needs Judge. (laughs) He needs. They need to give him Dread, the sequel to that already. I don't understand why they haven't given it to him. Um, But bless his soul. It's just his whole performance is this. To the camera. It's, he always <laughs> yeah. just is dead to the camera. It's like when you're looking uh, at somebody knock on your door and they got that fish line, <laughs> the, the fish lens. Um, I, I like him. I like what he's doing in the show, but it, I, I feel you. It's become repetitive because you just don't feel those stakes anymore. And with the involvements that they yeah. have on this season with a particular serum, a particular pill, um, it, fe- it almost feels like a plot device so that they can keep their characters who may not have superpowers in the show. We'll see. Right. It, it, it's it's still delivering at the same that I think uh, at least season two was. So I think it's going to be Prime's most consistent thing. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about HBO Max and one of their most consistent things so far, at least up until now, has been Hacks, the Lucia Aniello, Paul Downs, Jen Statsky created show with Gene Smart and Hannah Einbender, a couple of our, our favorite people on tv right now uh season two just wrapped up it's eight episode run interestingly two episodes shorter than i believe the first season uh which was 10 and you know i gotta say like the when we were talking about the best shows of last year i left hacks either off my list or or like towards the bottom of my list. And part of why I did is I said, like, I think this is a show that's really like finding its feet and it's going to really start running in its second season when they settle into the groove and they let you play with the different dynamics and the different characters. 
And by like episode four or five, I really felt that happening with this season of Hacks, getting getting the crew on the bus, on the road, dealing with the the new circumstances of Deborah's career and, and j- trying to balance that. It felt like a really cool place to be, one that I was ready to, to hang out with for a while. And w- which makes me that much more surprised at how quickly they kind of unraveled that and and seemingly are like ready to end the show. I mean, the way that episode eight ended, it doesn't feel like a season finale. It feels like a series finale to me. I, I know you you said you have like a little bit to go on that last episode, mm-hmm. but like even before we get there, there's a little bit of like tying up loose ends that feels odd given how successful this show has been with winning Emmys and how much buzz it, it seems to generate anymore. online. Isn't that scary? Like, it does not matter. Every streaming service has come out. Netflix did that whole thing that we were partly discussing last week where they had Ted Sarandos come out and be like, remember when I said that we were family? Psych, we are not family. (laughs) And no more vanity projects unless you're Ryan Reynolds. The Irishman won awards and is in Mm -hmm. their top 10 most viewed things. Like, it has both the prestige, the honor, and the numbers. And they don't care. Hacks has a consistent amount of people, I want to say, watching it. It won the awards. It continues to bring in the quality. And they've decided to drop two a week to get it done as fast as possible. When they were doing that for Made for Love, I was like, it seems a little weird. When they were doing it for Hacks, mm-hmm. I was like, this is very weird. And as you're saying, even if they continue for a third season, to almost kind of like, uh, and you could speak to this even more, make the writers always end a season just in case, in a definitive way, you know, just in right, case you don't come right. back, is also really weird. You're, you're then altering the way that stuff is written, even though the entirety of the season leading up to that, especially in the last two episodes, you have characters ready to start their new chapter, not ready to mm-hmm. wrap it up. So I thought season two is just as funny as season one. And that's because they got yeah. cameos to come in. Like, they even comment on the cameos. They comment on the idea of getting supporting roles. They Yo, Every how single about, one, dude. How about our, how about our girl Harriet Sansom Harris showing up for an episode and being absolutely Fantastic. hilarious? Like, there's this is a show that has so much room to do stuff like that, and yet they limit it to this eight episode run that they burn off in four weeks. Like, it feels like just as it's we're starting to get comfortable with a show like this, it's gone. And it's yeah, like you're saying, I feel like that's disrespectful to a show that's as good as this. Like, man, and what the storyline's like, about I, too. Like, give me, give me ten episodes. Give me thirteen or something. We don't need to go back to twenty-two, but eight is eight for a half hour like this. Just feels like nothing. Even if it's eight, you can't be a month, bro. It's all done in a month. I don't know. That's ridiculous to me. Yeah. I don't know if it's them trying to fit it all in at once. If it's just, it really just feels like they're trying to wrap up these shows as fast as possible to move on to this next thing. Yeah. If you're listening to every streaming service uh, and, and the people who run that stuff, it very much seems like they're ready to to cut costs, to make things as, uh, you know, small as possible. And they're just not going to want to pay the money for it. But it sucks because I think, again, it's just as good as one. You were mentioning, um, Harriet, uh, what's her name? Lady Bird's mom, bro. She, killed it uh on the tour yeah. bus and only for uh, like Laurie Metcalf so for a funny couple episodes bro and, and she's a character who should have been there like for an entire season and, and they're like all right get her in get ups, her out one up one up like you you're not getting cameos for that uh much longer Susie was in this last one uh Susie Esmond mm-hmm. from Susie Esmond Curb Your Enthusiasm she Curb, came in to yeah. be the director 
kills it. I, I don't know. I want I want to see the show continue. I hope they keep it up. Um, but it sucks that they're dwindling down the episodes to this degree. And yeah. you may be listening to this now going like, oh, that kind of stinks. Once it hits your show, you ain't going to be happy that this is a thing. So we're warning you now. It's a trickle down yeah. thing. They're doing it right now for these. And then the next thing you know, your favorite show is going to be hit the same way. So yeah. uh, I don't and know, like, man. Hopefully, hopefully it comes back for a third season. There hasn't been a confirmation, but just the 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 lack of assuredness has made the writers compromise what the show is in a way that frustrated me. Yeah, right? that sucks. Like, I, if a show is as good as this, give it some runway. I don't know. I, don't I agree. Get it. Still got the hyphen on IMVD Zag, so let's hope. Let's pray. <laughs> but it's good. All right, Catch let's it. talk a little bit about Pistol. On FX, the Sex Pistols show, uh, directed by Danny Boyle. I haven't had a chance to catch it, but Art, I think you caught some. What did you think about this latest FX on Hulu installment? Don't worry, Zach. Nobody else has caught it either. It's so difficult to search the show up. Like, I keep forgetting it's Pistol, not Pistols. Right. It's a little weird. Like, you'd think just throw the extra S on there. I don't get it. Um... Yeah, it's about the Sex Pistols and how they started from their roots. It does a decent job at getting uh, through a lot of the main characters and the band members and like their upbringing, a lot of the turmoil that they may have gone with, a lot of the, you know, baby holding that they may have gone with, how they're all just com- completely different people who come to do this like very punk rock band uh, brought to you by FX Hulu on Disney Plus for some people. And I know that that's been probably one of the biggest things uh, that people have against it because for a show about a punk rock band that's trying to go against like the hierarchy and the systems that be it very much plays within those systems that be um look i'm fully aware that if danny boyle's making a thing if it's going to be a series where else is he going to pitch it it's going to have to be on some streaming service so it's almost this thing where it's like you know people are upset that it's on a streaming service but like would netflix have made it okay would it not be playing by the exact same rules uh it's got to be hosted somewhere so judging it as a show in and of itself, I think it's got that flair that Danny Boyle uh, does a great job with and his direction and, and uh, following the characters. There's any moments when they're trying to create the songs, the interactions between them. Um, they're, they're very big personalities. They have a lot of moments where they'll, <laughs> they'll say lines that are like can be completely taken out of context that's this is that show where like someone will be upset it's like how dare you leave leave me on my fake wedding you were supposed to marry me um the one character that really stood out to me dude i don't know if you could pull it up here um coach friday night lights coach bro he's got a daughter kyle chandler's daughter sydney sydney chandler is in this show oh and it took me forever Ever, I was like, why? There's something about this. Why does she look? I, I searched it up. I would have never connected. Yeah, right there. That's that's his daughter. She's she's in the business now, Damn. I guess. Um, All right. You can search up some things about how people in the industry think about her. Take it as you will. Uh, but she plays one of the main characters who, uh, along with Toby Wallace's character, who... Uh, I, I really like. He's been in a couple of shows that have been canceled, like The Society, but he's able to have this very, like... Uh, he does a really good job at, at, at showcasing um, trauma behind his eyes. Uh, and as long as you can, if you need, if you need it, if you have a character like that, you need casting, go for Toby Wallace. Um, but I think it's their <laughs> dynamic that really runs the show where they're supposed to be in a relationship but not be in a relationship. Um, I still have two episodes left. So it's more of a preview that I'm talking about than a review. But I, I don't know if it's going to deliver for the punks out there. But as mm-hmm. a new... Um, Danny Boyle project is decent. 
I guess. It lets you know a little bit about the band, um, but not so much that I think it encompasses, you know, the be-all on them. So, I don't know. I'm curious to know your thoughts because uh, they're, they're not a band that I'm as attuned with, but uh, I can only right. see it as a show. And as a show, it's it's fine. Cool. Yeah, I'm still kind of curious about it, especially like you mentioned, Danny Boyle. So uh, definitely check that one out eventually. But that is mostly what you and I have been watching and what's new. So let us know in the live stream comments or the regular comments or even just by shooting us an email, intercutpod at gmail.com. You can also hit us up on social. Let us know what you've been watching in the past week. A lot of you do that on our weekly polls over on Instagram. So we really appreciate the answers. A lot of people watch crimes of the future a lot of people watching bob's burgers a lot of people watching fire island this week as well and yeah we got some responses for barry so thankfully some of the inner cuties are up on the new season of barry too uh we would like to thank the intercutie plus members those wonderful patrons who support the show over on patreon.com slash intercut pod they are ewan julietta garrett tim elizabeth josh and ashley our academy level members are tushar cademan connor pete and sean and of course a big thanks to the producer level patron known only as awkward thanks again for all the support and a reminder that you too can become a member at patreon.com slash pod where you can sign up for patron benefits like early access to intercut episode outlines access to private channels on the intercut discord and an invitation to our monthly patron google meetings art we're going to do a debrief after we've all seen jurassic world next week mm-hmm. right yep come next week yeah. we're <laughs> it's the biggest movie of june i guess um, I, I know it's already released in other places too. So uh, we have a lot of viewers that, uh, are in Mexico, Brazil. I believe some places over in Europe already got it for whatever reason. We're the last ones. It, they're really taking the world part seriously. So it's, it's out everywhere else, but here, um, I don't, I don't, we'll, we'll see. We'll, it'll be half. It'll be like a quarter Jurassic world talk. Cause I highly doubt we're that big on yeah. it. It's the, it's the fifth. You don't want to get deep into the lore. Sixth, a, I think. It's the sixth. I'm cutting up everything. It does not matter, bro. I, it does not. I've, I've through the trailers. I've practically seen the whole movie because we're cutting up the trailers. Right. Who cares? Who cares? <laughs> Zach, I'm gonna tell you right now. Watch every single Jurassic World movie. You will find a moment where the T Rex comes in and saves the day. Why? Because you can't beat the original. Exactly. I mean, if you can't beat Spielberg, might as well just try to copy him. There's a lot of directors who've been establishing successful careers on that path. Shout out J.J. Abrams. Um, I I don't know, man. Uh, I have yet to really enjoy a Jurassic installment since the first one. I just rewatched the first one. I'm going to this next one with a lot of dread. Yeah. Oh, my goodness, bro. They don't make them like they used to, dude. Nah, they don't. Nah. And and it still looks better than any of the new ones too with the the in terms of the effects. It's so good. Y'all should go yeah, check out Jurassic unreal. Park Pick of the Week. <laughs> All right, let's get to the new to see where we talk about what is new in theaters, on streaming, on demand, all the good places. Uh, did want to give a quick shout out to The Northman, which popped up on Peacock, Peacock one of our yeah. favorite movies of the year, is now streaming on the NBC Universal platform, which is slowly building up a kind of nice catalog with these Universal movies. Uh, some of them not so good, like Firestarter, some of them 
we like a little bit more, like Ambulance, but the Northmen definitely the best of their recent additions. Yeah. So uh, if you haven't had a chance to catch up with that one, would highly suggest it. Uh, tomorrow, June 7th, Dinner in America, which we've talked about plenty of times on Intercut. Amanda has talked about many times on Intercut, is finally available on digital and VOD in America. About time on that one from Sundance 2020. That's a pre-pandemic Sundance movie. That's crazy. Uh, June 8th. We get Hustle on Netflix, the movie with Adam Sandler, Queen Latifah, Ben Foster, Robert Duvall, and many NBA players. Robert Duvall, just really just like a, a flash of a cameo there. Really quick, uh, but hey, it's because you got my boy Ben Foster. Yeah. He, had to take the, he had to take the reins there. Zach, I, I got one for you. Uh, they've been competing off the court. LeBron James, Steph Curry, who do you got? They've been producing like crazy, Off the dude. court. They have, I'm, and you know, I'm not uh, in the holy moly audience, unlike you. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I think I'd have oh, to. Oh man, I, like, I, was I'd like, have I don't know which one. And then you just reminded me. Yeah, I guess I'm on <laughs> Team Steph Curry. <laughs> I think I'm Team LeBron James, uh, Space Jam aside, because I mean, Hustle's pretty good. I like his stuff on HBO. Zach, Zachary, if if yeah. Steph wins this one, do you know how many titles he'll have? Is, is that equal to LeBron if he wins this one? Uh no, I think he would. I think so. Equal. All I know is he's approaching. I think it's four, he's approaching four. the real goat, bro. Now the goat's yeah, never gonna get replaced I, for me, obviously. But there's some discussions that need to be had if he wins his next chip, dude. <laughs> some discussions that need to be had, bro. If we're talking about someone who it, changed it was a good the game, game last night. He I changed don't know if you were watching. It was a real good game. He, yeah, absolutely changed the changed the shape of the game. Insane. So uh, his brother, his brother Seth, mm-hmm. uh, has a role in Hustle. Yeah. <laughs> his. So the Currys uh, are everywhere. Who is also his his brother-in-law's father-in-law is also the coach of the... It's, it's complicated. It's a, the, the Currys the have taken is over, very yeah. incestual, I've realized. Uh-huh. Um, but anyway, there's a lot of really fun cameos in Hustle, and I like the movie a lot. Art liked the movie a lot. It's on Netflix soon. Uh, also on streaming soon on June 8th, Miss Marvel, the latest... Marvel TV show, this one about Kamala Khan uh, and her superpowers, which I believe have been altered from their comic book form. Uh, technically, we have like a review embargo, but not a social embargo on this. So so we can st- have like our tweet length thoughts on Miss Marvel. <laughs> what, are, what are your like tweet length thoughts on the uh, upcoming Disney Plus show? It's really cute. Um, yeah. I think, I think, you know, it, it's... You're not going to please everybody now with the Marvel machine being as big as it is. Some people want everything to connect to everything. Other people want it to be, I don't know, something new. This is exactly what it needs to be on Disney+, Plus, which is what I expected from the other shows. It feels like a Disney Channel series that ties into the Marvel Universe. Uh, and I really like I the art style. Say, that's, that's the part that stands, stands out to me the most. I don't know if you were able to catch any of the episodes, but they do a really cool thing. I caught the first two. Yeah, so... Um, yeah, yeah, it's cute. I was going to say it feels like a good CW show. Like I know right. CW is normally like used as a bad example, but it feels like a good version of that kind of aesthetic and style. And it's a little bit scrappier and a little bit teen, more teen driven, mm-hmm. but like it's fun. It's it's like, I don't know. I, it doesn't take itself quite as seriously as some of the Marvel shows have so far. Yeah. And I think uh, I, I forget the actress's name. Uh, Iman Vellani is it that the, is in the main role, but she's quite charming as well. Mm-hmm. So they've just, uh, I'm going to s- stick with it. They really embrace this idea of the new generation in the world, in the cinematic world. Uh, 
yeah. loving and looking up to all of the previous heroes. Um, I don't think they've taken it far enough yet. Like Hawkeye already did that. Like, oh, I look up to Hawkeye and I'm going to be with Hawkeye. And she looks up to her favorite superheroes. She looks up to Captain Marvel, obviously, the most. Um, yeah. I don't know, we're missing we're missing that one story that really brings it in. I'm not saying that it the is, Incredibles, I mean, no one's ever been able to to match that, right? But there's got to be another story because mm-hmm. it, it really just feels like no. the teens in our world just look up just like you guys do at home. And I think there could be a little bit more No, that's it. a good point. It's a good point. Like, I do think one of the things that sometimes is frustrating with the Marvel Cinematic Universe is how cloistered off the superheroes feel a lot of just marketing ways. for the next like thing, they, yeah. It, like they don't even interact with non-superheroed human beings so often on these movies and shows. One of my favorite small moments in Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness is when they're sitting down at the restaurant early in the movie and somebody's trying to like get a picture with them because that's what it would be like. They're big celebrities in public. Consistently. But, like, but this show actually does have some hinting at that whole idea that like they're not just superheroes; they are the biggest parts of culture. They are they are Vought cinematic yeah, universe. Exactly. And, yeah. I don't know. They could do so a little I, bit more. I think that's a cool element for Miss Marvel as well. We'll see. But yeah, that's there. Yeah. On June eighth, ninth, eighth, the Tribeca Film Festival Woo. kicks off as well. This week, damn. Uh, yeah, which we we annually attend. Uh, there's a lot of films that we're excited to watch. A lot of films that we've already seen, too, that are playing the festival. So uh, if you have the chance to watch some in the online version of the festival, uh, make sure to do that because we will be back on Intercut discussing what we're watching over the next two weeks, probably. Uh, but you can see Marteum, a love song, some films that we talked about back at, during Sundance. Uh, to the end, another one. They're doing in person. Uh, was there anything? And they're doing virtual. Is there? Ex- yeah. There are exclusives for in person. I take it. Uh, I believe so. Going to be. Virtual. I believe the bigger the headliners are exclusive in person. All right, because it's all black phone there, and I'm like. Yeah, yeah. I don't think I don't, I don't think, they're think doing that, that one's going to be there. But uh, I'd have to look through it. Uh, I, I know that we both got approved. Uh, haven't signed that up yet, but we will be doing some Tribeca coverage as the next festival to cover here on Intercut. Absolutely. Uh, then on June 9th, going to another film festival. Actually, we're not going to it, but some people will be. The Sundance Film Festival London kicks nice. off on June 9th through June 12th. Heard great things. Features many of the films that we ta- uh, talked about, including Good Luck to You, Leo Grand, uh, Brian and Charles, Honk for Jesus, Save Your Soul, Resurrection, Sharp Stick, Watcher, We Met in Virtual Reality. Like These are really, really good movies from Sundance. Bro. Uh, that will be playing all weekend long in London. I know we have a lot of listeners out in the UK. Mm-hmm. They better be taking in some of this stuff. Yeah, I've heard great things about that festival. So if you have not been, uh, I'd say go check it out. Let us know. But Leo Grand is also coming out. I'm trying to pull it up right here because I know I had it. June 17th? Yeah, bro. Real on soon. Hulu. So, yeah. Hey, dang. New world. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's not the Sundance that you started going to where you'd watch movies and maybe they'd be out in a year and well, a half. Compared to These January, movies are getting flipped. It's it's been a couple months, but I just yeah. I like the ability to have these movies available to everyone. Um, yeah, I mean, it's not just good luck to you, Leo Grand. Uh, Cha Cha Real Smooth is out on the seventeenth too, and Apple, that's also a Tribeca. I know. <laughs> it's crazy, dude. It's a lot. A lot of yeah. stuff. Uh, also on June 9th, Queer as Folk returns for eight episodes on Peacock. This is a 
a reboot of sorts of the famous show from the 90s or early 2000s, I think it was. Okay. Uh, I was never a Queer as Folk watcher, but I know a lot of people uh, are really, really fond of that show. And it'll be interesting to see what it does uh, in this new version. I think Ryan O'Connell uh, is that guy from that uh, Netflix 15-minute show, right? Uh, that was kind of interesting. Oh, forgetting the name of uh, was it special? Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. He's pretty, and he's uh, one of the stars of the new Queers Folk. Also, so that's right. cool to see him get that uh, bump up. On June 10th, my birthday, Jurassic World Dominion Just couldn't have asked for anything better. Oh, what what go. else? But watching nostalgia shove down my throat mm. for Open two wide, plus right? hours. How long is, is this? Ooh, yes. 147 minutes long. Bro. Wow. Why? It's exactly what I wanted to hear. Why? Jurassic Park in its last 20 minutes. Where I'm, I'm in the last 20 minutes of Jurassic Park and the kitchen scene hasn't happened. I'm like, the kitchen scene hasn't happened yet? Last 20 minutes of Jurassic Park are better than the entire trilogy for the world combined. I don't understand why, they, why it's got to be that long, but... Pushing two and a half on that, dude. You got yeah, your tickets? Be watching in Dolby. Yeah. No need to see this I, I got in my eight list. Yeah, I got my A-list Dolby for for June 9th, so I don't know, man. Hopefully Colin Trevor will find something to do here. Uh, um, the movie that I'm actually looking forward to seeing in theaters this weekend is Mad God. It's going to be on Shudder. This one is going to be on Shudder a week after, but if you have the chance to see it in theaters, I'm maybe take so that chance to see it in theaters. I'm so excited for this one, dude. I've been waiting for this one for so long. Yeah. Shout out to Connor, who who gave this oh, one a shout out on it. our Intercut Awards. He's been hyping this one for us for a while. Phil Tippett, the animation master, doing some stop motion craziness here. I, I'm just I'm just hyped for this one. It looks really cool. It looks like un, unlike anything I've ever seen. I just connected Phil Tippett because I was looking at all the stuff for Jurassic Park yesterday. The guy right. who worked on Jurassic Park. Yep. Yep. Nah, man, I am... Yeah, that's 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 the one right there. Uh, speaking of Shutter, they add the horror film Off Season on June 10th. We were kind of mixed on that one, it's but it's, uh, it's going to be available. Peaky Blinders season six hits Netflix. Did you know the show was still happening? I was going to ask you. I didn't know it was still I happening. No- They've been on like a two year. I hiatus. thought it was done years ago. I thought it was yeah. done. I thought it wrapped with Boardwalk Empire. No, we got season six over here. And <laughs> nah, they, and a movie. Somebody has to feed Cillian Murphy. Yeah. Th- they're doing a movie? A whole film. So this is this is the end, but not the end is how they're pitching it. I want to okay. catch up on it. Okay. Piggy Blinders and Boardwalk have been those two shows <laughs> that I want to catch up on once I finish the other 476 shows that I got to catch up on. That's one of those shows, like, you know, one out of every, like, hundred people you talk to will be like, you know what show's really good? It's Piggy Blinders. Yeah, I'm one of the Piggy Blinders. people really Piggy Bl- like oh, Piggy Blinders. The Piggy Blinders fans? They don't mess around. Yeah, they like yeah. that show. Yeah. Uh, on June 10th, we're also getting Tahara in theaters. This is a film starring Rachel Sennett and Madeline Gray DeFries that we saw last year or two years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, pretty interesting uh, little indie. It. That, yeah. 
Um, and then I also wanted to shout out on June 12th a new show coming to AMC and AMC Plus called Dark Winds. It's a pretty cool looking show about a couple of Navajo police officers in the 1970s as they investigate a double murder case. It's been ha- they have some pretty like ominous ads playing on AMC uh, that make me pretty curious about this one. But also Rain Wilson is in this show surprisingly randomly. Okay. All right. Um, so yeah, keep that on my curious radar. about this one, but let's get to the picks of the week. Art, what are you planning to see this week? Do, 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 do. Let me boot this up right here. Uh, I got a couple stuff going down through streaming uh, for Hulu. If you got Hulu, try harder. A documentary that we've enjoyed for a little bit is out to stream uh, on Hulu. We kind of had our trifecta, our trio of kids going through college (laughs) type stuff uh, to go Mm -hmm. see. And I thought that one was pretty solid. Martha, Marcy, May, Marlene, I know is a movie that you really like. And I'll be showing it to Alina this week because she's never seen it. And uh, we were laughing because in watching and binging all the WandaVision stuff, she said, you know, I went from being a woman in independent films who would go crazy to being in big blockbusters as the woman who goes crazy. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so Martha Marcy May Marlene over on Hulu. Um, Showtime picked up a, a movie called Vox Lux that came out a couple years Ooh. ago. Um, this is a movie that's always stuck with me. And I'm recommending it with a warning, especially recently. If you have not caught this one, right? do so. Uh, I think it's a very interesting movie that feels like almost unfinished or like unpieced together. But I think it'll stick with you. So Vox Lux, if you have Showtime, go check that out. Have you seen what uh, Peacock and Showtime or Paramount and Showtime are doing since they're both owned by Viacom? I haven't. They're putting Yellow Birds on Paramount. Yellow Jackets? Yellow Jackets. Thank you. Sorry. They're going to be putting it on uh, Paramount on a weekly basis and they already started. Hmm. One, they're funny because they're doing it because there's one gay character. So it's Pride Month. But also because it's Viacom and they're like, damn, uh, we should probably share shows. And I'm just like, why not right. just combine them? Just combine them. You own both of yeah. these things. I, I don't get it. So uh, yeah. if you don't have Showtime, it might come out on Paramount later on is pretty much what I'm trying to say. Uh, Tahera in theaters, I'd say, would be my number one pick. Uh, we got the Dolby tickets for Jurassic, but we'll see. But if you are a big fan of the trailer for Black Phone, there is going to be an early screening. I like letting people know about these early screenings uh, on 6-15, so June 15th. It's a Wednesday, if I'm not mistaken. Um, it's the AMC Investor Connect screening. You don't need to invest or connect. I think you could just go get it, and it is under your AMC A-list if you have it, so a little heads up for the people there. Uh, but to wrap it up, Apple TV, Physical, Season 2. I don't know if you've seen Physical, Season 1, Zach, but it's good. I need to catch up. I like it. Yeah, you, you recommended it. You had it on your best of list yeah, very, last year when we did this. Yes. She's nice. She's really good in it. So those are my picks for yeah, the it's week. It's not back for a couple months, right? So you, that's some, uh, you get some time to catch up on season yeah, one. Plus, Apple's been doing a good job, finally, of actually doing it weekly. They know better. You know, not like Stranger Things. Yeah. Could have just done weekly. <laughs> they didn't. But, uh, Zach, your picks. Uh, my picks for the week, I'm going to go with Hustle because maybe you want to see it in theaters. Maybe you don't feel like seeing it in theaters. It's going to be on Netflix on Wednesday, so you don't even have to wait that long. And it's charming. It's heartwarming. Even if you're not a basketball fan, I, um, I, I saw it with Caitlin, who did not know any of the cameos, and she had a good time as well. That's good. Uh, but uh, aside from the Netflix pick, my HBO Max pick is, of course, Barry catch up with it get ready for it the season finale is sunday so you got a little bit of time it's just an 
excellent, excellent season of TV. And while you're on HBO Max, you can also catch up on Hacks now that season two of Hacks has finished. Hopefully not finished, all of but Hacks, yeah. but at least Hacks is good. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, but if you are going to theaters, man, don't do Jurassic World like we're talking about. Let's do Mad God. Let's all go see Phil Tippett together in theaters this weekend and and just respect visual craft when it's when it's done properly, when it's given time to flourish and really do something wonderful. You know, I'm I'm very curious to check out Mad God. Hopefully more of you will as well. And hey, if you don't catch it in theaters this week, it'll be on Shudder next week too so very cool uh think that's about all for this week's show uh wanted to mention want to bring up the one uh comment from the live stream here chloe's asking if we have any plans to watch irma vep have you heard anything about irma vep uh i just know it's alicia vikander that's all i know yeah it's like um a uh asayas remaking his own movie oh is he show oh yeah all right Kind of interestingly. Yeah, I saw a trailer to it. Um, so. Is that one out? Uh, yeah, I forgot to add that one to my document, but that one might be coming out soon too. Okay. So maybe we'll have to catch that as well. That, HBO? That's also on my radar. Yeah, yeah. Sounds good. So another one to add to the sack. And but, A24. Uh, that's about, all right. Yeah. That's about all for this edition of the Weekend Must Watch. You can catch more from me, Zach Shevich, by following me on Twitter, Instagram, Letterboxd, at ZShevich, or catch out. Catch my YouTube or TikTok channels at Multiplex Show Art. Where can people find more from you? You can find me over at Elmi Explain on Twitter, on YouTube, on Letterboxd, or every week here on the Intrigo Podcast. You can find new episodes of the podcast on iTunes, Anchor, Spotify, whatever your favorite podcatcher is. I like Overcast. And then make sure you're not subscribed just to the audio feed, but to the video feed as well on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash intercutpod, where you can watch our bright, smiling faces as we go through the latest in entertainment. Find new episodes of the Intercut Weekly Must Watch streaming on our YouTube channel every Monday at 3 p.m. Eastern. Please leave us a comment, like the video, and consider heading over to, to, to our uh, iTunes to give us that much requested five star review. Shout out to those listeners in Ecuador and South Africa for putting us on the podcast charts out there. Like yeah. our Facebook, Instagram, Twitter pages, support our Patreon. All of them are at Intercut Pod to get updates throughout the week from Art, from me, from all the guests that we feature here on Intercut. Thanks again for tuning in. And until next time, what's the point of liberation if you can't feel little, a little liberated? There's like some sneaky, interesting social social commentary going on in Fire Island, but it's all like muted by the romantic comedy stuff. <laughs> <laughs>